Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Kyle Porter, KP. We are seasoned veterans because this is the third time we've done this intro and hopefully it works out this time. Welcome. I'm I'm sure my mic is jacked up now. (laughs) Is it? No, it sounds great. We've had some technical difficulties. We are on the third different microphone for Kyle and uh, knock on wood, this one is working so far. Okay, good. I need like a, you know how people who are like super rich hire private chefs or masseuses? Yeah, I heard a story. This was like 15 years ago. Uh, do, do they still have Bahama Breezes around those restaurants? Have you ever heard of that? Uh, I have not heard of that. I don't know if it's like local or like a small chain or nationwide or anything like that, but there used to be one. Jacob says, yes, they do. There used to be one where this Philadelphia Eagles player, I can't remember who it was. He loved what he got so much. He walked back into the kitchen, said, who made this and hired the chef on the spot. That's, that's a, that's a good move. Yeah. That's, uh, that's when you know you have, that's when you know you're, you have money. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I do not, I am not rich, <laughs> but if I was, I think instead of hiring a personal chef or a personal masseuse or anything like that, I would hire a personal IT person to mm-hmm. fix all my stuff when it, when it inevitably goes awry. Okay. You know what I would like? I want a full-time, uh, like car wash person. I want my yeah. car detailed every second of the day. That's a pretty good one. I actually, I think my actual, like if I, ha- if I was wealthy, if I had live money, <laughs> I, which I'm maybe, still waiting on a, yeah, maybe soon. Who knows? I'm still waiting on a contract for them so that I can just shred it to pieces on the first cut podcast. That would be maybe the best moment in the history of our, it'd uh, be great, podcast. great content for sure. Um, is I would fly private. I would, I would, I would travel. My aviation would be completely mm. private. I think, it, you- I think it, it's just such a game changer. Like you, you'd save so much time. It's not like going to the traveling's a, like nobody wants to hear this, but traveling's a beating. Are you worried about being a climate criminal? Um, mm. mm-hmm. Sorry. Just ruined that one for you. Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, I, I know that, well, <laughs> do you remember that, that uh, Rory Presser where he was talking about how he pays money to become like zero, like carbon neutral? Yeah, he like, off, he like offsets his carbon footprint. 
what is, what is that even like? How do you do that? I assume they plant trees somewhere. I have literally no idea. I assume they plant. I li- I don't have any idea how I don't have any idea how they could do it. So maybe I would. I think I would figure out a way to justify it. For sure. So so, it's, so, it, I, so I mean, flying private would be the sickest. I'd, I'd, I'd do anything to justify it. This is not a segue, I promise, into a Jay Monahan rant uh, from the Wall Street Journal article the other day. But flying private is just like it. In PGA Tour, guys have talked about this. How you know you, you reach a level where you you have to make the decision of like, man, this might save me a stroke a week because I feel better. I'm better rested and all this stuff. That, that is the change. That is the most prominent change I would make in my life day to day. If I had a billion dollars. Okay. I like it. I would also figure out a way to feel comfortable and sleep at night on my private yes. jet because that yes. would be super oh, on, on your private. what do you think of the Monaghan article? But you know, <laughs> like, okay. Um, I think okay. Just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you're a charity, right? Uh, do I think that he should not be flying whatever it was like 15 times a year to his wife's vacation house or whatever it is? Like, uh, yeah, okay, maybe in Springs, maybe not. But like in terms of outrage, I'm uh, I'm a one and a half out of ten. Yeah, I think you know I. <laughs> I'm, I did not see a ton of discourse on this. I listened to a po- couple of podcasts where they talked about it, but I think for me, it's like, you know, breaking news, a CEO of a billion dollar company flies private, like just <laughs> right. zero cares at all. But right. I will say the sort of like personal usage of it, it, my first reaction was like, just become a for-profit organization. And like, nobody cares at all. Right. Right. And I know that like, I've talked to some people that have said like, that's a, they, they, they're almost like this. Um, I think I've said this, or I've used this example before. They're like a code of a, of a, like a, like a software code. That's so like intertwined that you can't unwind the whole thing without just basically blowing it up and starting over, which maybe they should do. Right. But I think it's very difficult for them to sort of become a for-profit company in a way that like wouldn't not destroy them, but just wouldn't make life very difficult for them. And honestly, like I was reading the article, just, just like, uh, make a note of when it was personal, take it out of your income, which is already exorbitant. And like, nobody cares, like just move on. And and I feel like they're right. They they put the, like the tour puts themselves in these positions that are just so unnecessary. It's like, just, just file it correctly or whatever. And maybe they did. The wall street journal was alleging that they didn't. And it's, you know, 500K a year and you make 14 million and like whatever. I, I don't know. It just, it seems like they almost go out of their way to put themselves in bad spots. Yeah. I've, I think I've said it before. If Major League Baseball didn't exist, the PGA Tour would be like number one in shooting themselves in the foot. But luckily, <laughs> luckily, Major League Baseball's around. Uh, we are indeed doing a mailbag episode. So this is kind of in line with the stuff that we are going to be getting into. Now, the goal for these, Kyle, is to make them more regular. Uh, we get a lot of questions that we try to answer, but with the way that the schedule works out, it ends up being a lot of recaps and a lot of betting and a lot of fantasy and a lot of storylines and all that fun stuff. But we're going to try to do these monthly. 
Um, so the way to guarantee your question gets hurt for sure is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I have the ones uh, that have come in since we first offered this. We'll go through those. And then, of course, we will uh, tweet out the prompt at times. So we're just going to start compiling these more regularly, KP, so that we can uh, chat amongst ourselves for the people. Yeah, it's great. It you know, I think sometimes we fall into this, not rut, but we, we sort of just say the same, especially you and I, when we're on here, we're sort of just like yelling about the same things, strokes gained and live golf and all this stuff. So it's, it's all that say, it's nice to have some sort of outside. I think friction when you're discussing things is good and questions provide friction. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, and I actually think that we've um, we've gotten critical questions in the past that we've answered. It ends up being a, a, a good thought exercise that I know at least you and I are, are, are certainly willing to dive into. So, so let's do this here. Um, first one out of the gate, Alec W. says he loves the pot. Hmm. Thanks, Alec. One question. What do you guys think about switching the FedEx Cup playoffs to a purely match play style event? Seems like it would align with many other team and individual style sports. It sounds great, right? <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds like in theory it's a great idea, and this is a little bit how I feel about the WGC Match Play event, the Dell, whatever it's called, in March in Austin. <laughs> is theoretically it's great, and I think we've gotten some great moments out of it. Um, I just don't know if it's the best. Uh. TV product and, and may, may, maybe be different if you're, if you're, you know, playing for the FedEx cup. Um, sometimes it's just with the WGC match play. I'm like, why do I care about this match again? You know? And, and some of that is because like, it doesn't mean anything on a Friday when two guys are out of it or whatever. So in theory, I like this idea. I think what would be fascinating, Rick, and I'm sort of, I can't remember where all the different places I've heard this, but many, many people have said it. And I think it's super interesting. What if the playoffs, what if the, what if the FedEx cup playoffs was like 12 guys or eight guys and you did it match play? I think that would be really, it would make the regular season that much more interesting and I think it would give some weight to the postseason and a match play format in the postseason uh, that you currently don't have. And you can p- play the regular season through the BMW Championship. Make those elevated events. They are elevated events. Make them whatever you want to make them. And then make the true championship. It's just eight guys. Like, and if you didn't make it, so play better. You know, I think that would be actually pretty interesting. And maybe that... Maybe that adds more context to the regular season than it does to the playoffs, but I'm kind of in on that idea. You know, we were talking about how reducing it to 70 is great. Reduce it even further, 16, 12. I don't care. Give me a small number and let's see what that looks like. Uh, Jacob, are we able to find, I'm looking for it and I can't find it. There was a proposed bracket that someone put on Reddit. It was a hand-drawn bracket i think it made its way around golf twitter i don't know if we can get our hands on that but um i'm I'm looking for it as well i'm generally kyle a huge proponent of match play i'd like to see more of it it does not make sense to me to determine your champion via match play when you played stroke play all season long 
Yeah. I, I think there's some fairness to that, but I mean, so why do we do match play at the Ryder cup? Um, it's a one-off event. It's a, it's its own thing. It's its own. So I think make this its own thing, right? I, the more I think about this, the more in on it I am. Mm. I, I don't, I think part of the problem with the WGC match play is you get matchups like, you know, Sepp Straka against Brooks Kepka, and you're like, okay, I, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with match play, the match and play. It, and it doesn't feel like, man, I just watched, I watched a lot of the, um, the US Women's AM and the US AM. I don't know any of those people. I mean, barely. And here's, we'll get to this in a second. Jacob, great, great job, Jacob. I'd, I don't know any of those people and I am locked in. And I almost feel like the, the two things would feed each other. Like match play would make me feel like the FedEx or the um, whatever, the FedEx cup is more meaningful. And, you know, looking forward to match play at the FedEx cup would make the match play more interesting. So I, I don't know. I, the more I think about it, the more in I am on this idea. It becomes a logistical nightmare if you keep it with 30 golfers. It also becomes a television situation when there's only one or two matches on the course at the same time. You're not guaranteed your stars are there. Like there's a lot of other implications around why the PGA Tour would probably not do this. But this is from Reddit. So if you're watching on YouTube, it is a hand-drawn bracket uh, of the 30 golfers who made, or I guess it's only 20. 20. Apologies, 20, uh, top 20 in the FedEx Cup standings where seeds one through four. So this year or this past year, it would have been Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Will Zalatoris, Xander Shoffley. They basically get a bye to the one, two, three, fourth round, Kyle. So basically, if uh, Homa or Hideki were to win the tour championship, they'd have to play like three additional matches to do so, which levels the playing field and gives you... Um, so incentive to play an incentive to get a better seed to get yourself into the tour championship. Yeah. I think what I would do here is I would get rid of the bottom four. So 17, 18, 19, 20, and also not wait the, the BMW and the uh, St. Jude. So, so in other words, like Hovland would be the nine seed instead of Sepp Straka. Victor Hovland had a better overall year than Sepp Straka, right? And so I don't need Sepp Straka getting a bye when Victor Hovland and Cam <laughs> Young and Joaquin Neiman and Jordan Spieth don't. And 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 then like you take that top sixteen, that makes it makes it compelling because you have you have stars facing off against each other, which engenders rivalry, which we rarely get. And is it fabricated? I guess, or is it manipulated? I guess you could say that, but also these are your best 16 guys of the year or your best eight guys or your best 12 guys or whatever. And I think I'm, I think I'm down for that. I think I'm, I think I'm way in on that. I'm, I'm lukewarm to it, but we, I think we both agree this, this will never happen. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't think it will. The, I mean, FedEx could not risk a scenario in which Sepp Straka faces off with, um, Actually, the rest of these guys are pretty good, but like a Sep Straka Sahith Tagala final for 18 million is not what FedEx paid for. Yeah, maybe, but <laughs> no, it's not. But <laughs> you, you also run that risk. I mean, you're, you're running a risk the way the true championship is currently constructed because if Sep Straka wins the BMW championship and he shoots 62 in the first round of the true championship, all of a sudden you've got a set Straka run runaway win at the FedEx cup finals. That's not good. 
right? Know. And and I think we've got we haven't gotten that so far. We've gotten some fairly good tour championships, but the tour here, here's my thing: the tour championship isn't so good that you can't try out some new stuff for sure. And it with where you're at currently with professional golf and live and all this stuff, like you should be trying some different stuff, you know, to generate interest, to um, make it appealing to the top player, all these different things that we've talked about all along. So I, I like it. I'm in. Uh, speaking of Ryder cup, speaking of live, the next question here comes from <laughs> Spieth for president. Is that your burner? That's my wife. <laughs> the question here says, if live golfers are eligible to compete for the European team in the Ryder Cup, would their team chemistry and camaraderie be dysfunctional and hurt them? Or could they put that aside for a week for that competition? Ooh. It's a good question. I think it would hurt them. I talked to... Uh, some people a couple of weeks ago that the the relationship between and somebody said this it was maybe Lowry or Rom or Rory at the at Wentworth the relationship between the at least on the European side between the non live guys and the live guys is it's not I don't think they hate each other but it's just it's not great you know I think that there's a sense of from the from the from the guys that are not live guys of speaking to the live guys, like, is this going to end up in a, in a, in a court document? Is this going to get, you know, like it, it, it just, it makes everything you do feel transactional and not relational. And the thing that the European, um, Ryder cup team has been so good at over the last 30 years is relational stuff. And so, yeah, I think, I think it would hurt them, but I think all of it is, is moot kind of right. Because none of the guy, like there's not a, I mean, maybe Sam Horsfield, but none of the guys that are playing live golf on the European side, unless a Victor Hovland or a, or a Rom goes, those guys aren't Ryder Cuppers. Like they're just Sergio. Okay. Talk me into it, I guess. But I just feel like the whole thing is kind of moot because they're moving on from most of those guys anyway. I agree with that sentiment. I don't necessarily know how much friction there like uh, Shane Lowry was pretty clear that there is, but I, I don't know if I buy that. Right. You know, Sergio shows up uh, for college game day and him and Scotty are chatting like normal Billy Horschel and, and Ian Poulter have what looks to be a very animated conversation on the putting green at Wentworth. And then they both poo poo it and act and say, ah, I was nothing. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I don't know how much friction there actually is. And if they were all pulling in the same direction, if they would just not play golf for a week. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's, I think that's a fair position to take and maybe they would. I just think there's, some underlying frustration between both sides that, you know, when, when, when you get these, when you get these highly emotional tense uh, weeks, both the good and bad rises to the surface, right? We've seen that on the American side over and over with Patrick Reed and even some Brooks Kepka in there. Yeah. And I think, I think that the emotion of that week might actually draw out some of the bad that is sort of undergirding the entire European kind of uh tour right now i will say 
what the European tour has done such a great job of is the team aspect, all pulling in the same direction. They would have their works cut out for them. I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but like that would be the tough, the toughest task yet of getting that locker room in order. Well, it's almost like a, it's almost like a divorced couple that remains friendly, right? right? Where they're raising kids together <laughs> or not together, but they're raising kids separately. And, and there's always like a sense of togetherness because you're raising a kid together. But you've also got this underlying tension that can lead to remarks being made or uh, just stuff that comes out that is not... I mean, the the European tour secret sauce has been that they loved all being together. And, right. you know, I, I think about... Um, I think about Phil's comment at Glen Eagles when he said, at least we don't litigate against each other. Remember <laughs> that when, when Rory and Graham McDowell... Yeah, uh, we're in a lawsuit against one another, and that didn't age well for Phil, and <laughs> because he's litigating against everyone. But that is sort of, um, yeah, that like that never happened really with the Europeans. That was kind of a one-off instance, and I think that's been why they've been so. It's been one of the reasons they've been so successful at Ryder Cups. There were a ton of similar questions uh, in regards to our own games, Kyle. Um, people want to know who's the best, who's the worst, who's trash on the golf course, to take an, a, an exact quote. Um, I was telling Jacob uh, before you came on here, I think people, I don't think people realize you're you're like, uh, uh, this is going to be a compliment and an insult. You're like, uh, you're like sneaky athletic which I think most people just assume you're just a nerdy guy who sits behind the computer and types and whatever, and pours his, pours his, you know, heart into what, like, you're like a, a fair, a pretty athletic guy. You got size, you got a good frame. Like, I think you would destroy us. Uh, maybe not in golf, but in like a lot of sporting situations. Well, maybe, I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting up there in age now, but I, I, you know, I play college baseball. Um, yeah, I, I've, I don't, I don't know if I'm, I might be like, doesn't play professional sports and is 37 with four kids athletic. So I don't know <laughs> if that's sneaky athletic or not. As far as, as far as golf, uh, I think my handicap right now is a seven. That's a, mm. that's a, that's a vanity seven though. And not because I haven't entered my bad scores, but usually when I am playing with friends and we're playing a match and I start playing bad, I just stop keeping score and just keep the match. So like we played five or six times in Scotland and I kept, I actually didn't really keep score for any of them, but the good ones, you can remember all the numbers. Right. And so I entered whatever one or two of those. And so it's, a, I think I'm more like a 12 or 13 than I am a seven, but my official number is a seven. Okay. You and I, you and I could be competitive. I'm a 7.2. And okay. that's the be the best I've ever been. I've been I've been playing well. I got fitted again for clubs, and I've been play hitting in the simulator every day. Like that has very much improved my game. This is the best I've ever been right now. Yeah, you you would be me right now. I I again, it's a little bit of a fake seven, and I'm I just don't play. I mean, I play like in these weird spurts where I'll play like six times in two weeks <laughs> or three times in two days, and then I won't play for three months. It's it's pretty. I don't know. It's maybe life with kids, but, uh, yeah, you would, I think, I think I would be getting strokes from you right now. Uh, I, I assume Greg would wax us. He's like a scratch golfer, isn't he? Uh, I think he is. 
I mean, he might have won to walk off a high school tournament. So whatever. I don't know if you get extra handicap points for that. We're giving him a lot of credit. I don't know what the state of Mark's game is, but he's always out there instructing. When he posts something on Instagram, it looks good. I don't know how often he's playing 18 holes. I bet Mark is is very... uh, I bet he's not long, but he's very technically sound. I bet he plays like sort of old man golf. And what I mean by that is I'll play with my dad and I'll be, you know, 280 off the tee, but no clue where it's going. And he'll hit it 190 and just, and just torch me. Yeah. Is what, yeah he's not going to make what, any big mistakes. Scottish golf is, was great for me because you can be all over the place and, <laughs> and recover. <laughs> right. Like when I play, when I play, there was a course in Stillwater called Karsten Creek. They played the NCAAs there. It was, it was Oklahoma state's home course. It is Oklahoma state's home course. And we used to play a media day there when I was running my Oklahoma state website. And it's so narrow. And I just hadn't, I had no chance off the tee. I would have to hit like five iron to keep it in play. Um, and I would hit like two good drives and they'd be awesome, but the other 12 are terrible. And so I knew <laughs> I need some, just, I need some room to roam off the tee a little bit. Uh, I have seen very little of coach on a golf course. It's not pretty, but he mashes it when he makes yeah. contact. It is going a mile. <laughs> yeah. I, that's zero surprises. <laughs> yeah. How you, how everyone thinks coach plays golf is exactly how coach plays. Yeah. Golf. <laughs> he probably chips it. He probably chips it like Hovland hits it like Bryson. <laughs> <That's pretty much. laughs> he, probably, he probably has no touch on the greens. He can't putt. Uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's much touch there. Um, all right. There's one more, one more, podcast question. This is kind of goofy, but I uh, don't necessarily disagree. This is from Derv Diversion. Love the show. Here's the question. (laughs) When you use a plunger, Kyle, do you grip it like a golf club? I noticed that I use my interlocking grip when plunging the other day, and I can't tell if I'm weird or normal. That is a very strange question. I think I think this falls closer to weird than normal. I don't think I do. I think I hold it like baseball. Right. Like well, uh, reverse baseball. So he's so he's interlocking and plunging downward? No, it he's No, it's so it's baseball and then down for me. Right. And I think he's saying baseball and down, but interlocking. He's not plunging like this, right? <laughs> right, that's what I, right. Plunging like a like the head of the golf club is the that would, that would be that would be weird. Um, I actually don't even interlock. I overlap. So if I do, if there is a golf grip, I would be overlapping on it. I do not like the right. way interlocking feels. I love interlock. I interlock when I putt. I used to overlap when I putt. I just, I just stopped doing that. Yeah. One of my, one of my friends was trying to talk me out of it and I, I, it just feels so good. I I go interlock with one finger down the, down the back part. Like, uh, I think Mm -hmm. Kepka does it. Yeah. Down the like. I'm not sure if Kepka is who I want to model my golf game. (laughs) Uh, all right. We have more to come. We have Twitter questions. Uh, we will get to those, but we will first take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. And we're back. Okay, let's move over to the Twitter machine here, Kyle. Um, Reach. Ricci, R-I-C-C-C, says, what's the best case outcome for the PGA Tour at the end of this fall series? So this is going to be the last, well, I shouldn't say that because I'm not sure we know, kind of the last fall series as we know it, where it's part of the calendar year. And Kyle, I guess there's been discussion of those big international events and now maybe those aren't happening. So what is that? What does this look like next year anyway? Is that what he's asking? Is he saying, I know I'm, I'm just trying to find out what, like, I, I think this is a live related question. What is the best case outcome for the PGA tour? Like in December of 2022? Sure. But is that what you're, you're asking something different? Well, I'm, I'm asking to get a frame of reference for what, we're in right now. And then what, then I was going to say, what's the best case outcome. So I, I'm just genuinely curious about what the fall looks like next year. What the fall looks like. Okay. So what the fall looks like next year, mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued by this. Um, I don't, I think the plan, if you read between the lines or talk to people behind the scenes is for the John Roms and Spieth's and JT's of the world to not play golf after the president's cup or Ryder cup in September, October until the tournament of champions. Mm. Now that's fairly doable on the PGA tour because you're going to have, well, I, we don't know what you're going to have, but I think what you're going to have is this sort of fall series. That's a little bit like it. Um, it's, it's, it's like an extended corn Ferry tour finals, right? Where, where you've got seven events or five events or nine events or whatever it is for guys battling for like the, everybody outside the top 70 kind of battling for position for the following year. Right. Which is fine. Like I don't, as a fan of golf, as somebody who covers it, that's a little bit what the fall series is right now. I think it just contextualizes it a little better. Uh, I hope you get um, some corn, some Justin Suh and some Chris Goderup jumping in there and and proving. I mean, man, Justin Suh is like the 61st ranked player on data golf. Like he's he's one of the he's probably one of the top 50 players in the world. And I don't know if his status is nest. Well, his status probably will reflect that because he was number one in the Corn Ferry. But it gives guys like that an opportunity to kind of jump up ahead of 
you know, honestly, guys that probably shouldn't have a ton of status uh, in some cases. What I don't know and what I'm curious what you think about is how the DP World Tour fits into all this. Because the problem for your Roms and your Rory's and your Shane Lowry's and your Hovland's is that those guys have to play some Euro stuff to maintain status for the Ryder Cup. They don't have to play a ton, but I think some of them feel compelled to in some ways. And so are the... like is are are the is the DP World Tour and, and we we're talking about this today. I was talking about it with somebody else. Is the DP World Tour going to sort of mesh its schedule with the PGA Tour to where it makes sense from January to August, and you and you really get a kind of an off season for the stars in September to December? I don't because know that they I don't know that they can do that with with how much the tour the PGA Tour is playing from January to August. But I'm really curious about what that looks like because then you would have a kind of a disadvantage for the Roms and Rory's right. that have to play or will play September to November, but don't really want to when guys like JT and Spieth just get it completely off. Yeah, they won't have any off season essentially because they're going over and playing the Italian Open, the BMW PGA Championship, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Let's okay. So I'm not sure the context around this question. What is the best case outcome for the PGA Tour at the end of the fall of this fall series? Is that you don't lose any more players to live golf and you roll into January and the tournament of champions at full strength of what you're at right now. And you've got a bunch of elevated purses for next year. And best case scenario, Liv doesn't sign a TV deal with it. Like the best case scenario for the PGA Tour doesn't really have anything to do with the PGA Tour. It has everything to do with Liv. Yeah. Yeah. The best case scenario is Tiger wins the PNC by like 10. I, think. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to you. Uh, well, I'll just say this. I was talking to Rory the other day about the, like about his fall schedule and it's exhausting, right? For, for, for everybody, but for, yeah, for guys like that, they're kind of global and like all these different things. And he, he sort of insinuated and this is why I'm wondering about this, that, th- that there actually would be an off season um, in, in the near future, like a real off season. Now, I don't know if that's just a PGA tour thing. Um, I don't know if it's like, cause it, 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 I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of days, Rick, and th- this is not answering your question. I'm just kind of going back to the DP PGA tour thing. The DP, the, we really have a global tour now. Right. And, and the PGA tour has these levers to pull to where they can become a global tour by telling, they can tell the European tour what to do basically, because they have this strategic alliance that is essentially the PGA tour telling the European tour what to do, which is weird because now the PGA tour is sort of invested in like the European side of the Ryder cup, which is really strange. Anyway, I don't, I'm curious to see what levers they pull because players have talked about like, Hey, this needs to be global. Like you need to go to the Irish open. If you're the PGA mm. tour, you need to go to Wentworth. You need to, they haven't said those names, but that's sort of the, the, the tournaments that I'm drawing out of there. And I'm just curious about how all that's going to work together. Um, so Jacob, pull up, pull up the, ne- pull up the next question here, Jacob, because it says it's from Dave and it says, is it possible for the, for the PGA tour to ever become a truly global tour instead of having a Florida swing, have an Australia swing or an Australasian swing, a Euro swing an African swing, et cetera. So this is kind of where you were walking towards Kyle, which, okay. I, I okay. <laughs> 
making changes on the PGA tour is a very, very slow process. So the only way that you can get something like this done is within the current constraints of what is already going on in the PGA tour. That famous meeting that Tiger Woods had at Wilmington country club or in, in Wilmington, remember, remember we were hearing reports that they were going to go to 60 player, no cut events for the top, whatever. And they were all going to be guaranteed money. Well, that didn't come out of it because that's really, really hard to do within the current constraints of the PGA Tour. So they kind of found a loophole and said, well, we'll just all play the same events. You'll crank up those purses and that'll be fine for us. We'll all be able to stay here. They found a loophole within and they could start it immediately. It's a loophole within the system. The loophole within the system of being able of being able to become a truly global tour is co-sanctioning all these events. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, on the on the uh, these top players playing the the elevated events, right? It fe- it seems like I might be misreading or interpreting this. It's a little bit of a handshake deal, right? Like, hey, we're just gonna you have our word that we're gonna play these. And, and it also like who who right? Like the top 20 is not going to always be the same top 20. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, okay, in 10 years is, is somebody that's a freshman at, you know, Cal going to also agree to this? Like, it feels very, uh, like pasted, like rubber bands, you know, duct tape and, and just sort of like thrown together. And I'd like to see some more formality around that, um, I, I think you're right. I think the the PGA Tour, and I hope they do this because I love when they go international. It makes our jobs harder. We have to get up at four in the morning. We have to do a bunch of. It, it just it's it's not great for um, people covering the sport. It's probably not great for fans in the United States either. But Live is is exposing them when it comes to the global game. I mean, yeah. Clearly, they're going around the world. They're getting mostly international players, at least recently. And they're just sort of... Exp- and maybe you, maybe you don't try to like stretch yourself too thin if you're the PGA Tour, but it just seems so easy to play an Irish Open as a co-sanctioned elevated event, to play... A, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking on some of the, you know, the Italian Open, the Abu Dhabi. And I think that's probably the direction that some of this is headed. At least I think that, I think the Scottish Open was a sort of foreshadowing for what's coming in that, in that area. But man, I hope they don't go away from it. I hope, I hope they lean into that and, how cool would it be to see all all the top guys at the Irish Open in I don't even know when it's going to be played now August or July or September or whenever they're going to play it? I think that'd be sweet, and it would um, it would be it's not how I always envisioned a global tour happening, but I think it's the like you said it's sort of the easiest way to um, to make it happen given their current state right now where they can pull the European tour. And the European tour guys might not like that. Uh, I heard Jamie Weir of sky sports talking about how like, yeah, you might not like it or you could just not have a tour, right? Like (laughs) your spot might get taken by Scotty Scheffler, or you could just not have a tour. Like those are your options. And that's kind of true. I think like, that's just the reality of where all these tours are at right now. And 
I love the idea of a global tour. I don't know if you can go to Australia and Africa every year um, because you start to, I think you start to spread yourself a little thin in terms of sponsorships and travel and all this stuff. But I, I do love yeah. the direction they're headed with the global there, tour. There's only so many weeks, right? And this would likely come at the cost of these eight or nine events that we have right now, right? As much as I love the Shriners in my backyard, that would probably like be gone if you wanted to make this a truly, a truly global thing, because, and, and that's a good idea. Maybe one year it's an Australia swing where you play yeah. three events all around Australia. Then the next year you go and play, yeah, you go to South Africa or you go to Japan. I mean, they, they had those back-to-back events that were Korea, then Japan. Was there a third one or was it just those two? Well, uh, I think it was they just- had Zozo, they had CJ, and they had Oh, uh, WGC Shanghai. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So so I th- I think you're right, Rick. And I think that they've given themselves a little bit of room to move around when they said there's four to be named elevated events. And I think, you know, one thing I was thinking about one of the exciting things for me with the majors every year is where are they going? Where are they going next year? Oh, right. LACC. Oh, yeah. kill. Okay. You know what would be sweet? You know, you know how every year the NFL does their schedule release and everybody's like, oh, uh-huh. you know, what's going to be? Up? Yeah. To have a real schedule release where it's like, oh, we're going to rural Melbourne this year. We're going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not a, I'm not the golf course geek. I, I'm not, I'm not going to get all the names right, but to have that kind of schedule, it would, it would be awesome. Like, that would be cool. and yeah, you, you can, and this is sort of what I've been saying about the John Deere and places like that. Take, take your elevated event and really what they have, and they won't call it this. And I understand why they've got two different tours. Like you have a tour a and a tour B take your tour a go play Melbourne every four years, every three years, play the John Deere every four years, whatever. That is, that's sweet. And it would, I think it would, and I would even, I could even be talked into Rick removing more of the, okay, we're going here. We're going to Bay Hill every single year for the, for the tour a, for the top tier and just having a schedule that moves around a little bit, you know, part of your allure, your draw in golf is the places that you go to. I think it's sweet that they went to the country club this year, that they're going to, L- that the U S open is going to LACC next year, that the open championship went from Troon to, um, you know, Burtdale to the old course. Like that is exciting to me as a golf fan. And the PGA tour has an opportunity, I think to, to leverage some of what's going on right now into doing that on both a global and a domestic level. And I don't think they're going to take advantage of it, but I hope they do. That would be sick. And I, I got, I got a little overwhelmed and a little bit pessimistic when I was like, well, they're not going to go to Asia and Europe and Africa every single year. Like there's just not enough weeks in the year, but if you do it right, you could make, you could make theater out of it and you could, you could grow the game. Yeah. I mean, and I think we've gotten into this thing where it's like, okay, well, if we don't do this every year, then we can't do it at all. And that's just not, that's not true. Like, would people in South Africa be pumped to see Rory and Scheffler and Spieth every three years? Hell yeah. That would be sweet. You know? And, and I think that it's a little bit of this spectacle that F1 kind of takes across the globe and they go to the same places. Cause you can't, there's no, I think there's only so many racetracks, right? <laughs> but there are, there are, there are way more golf courses that you could go to and make it a truly, like you said, like a global spectacle that, would be great for fans and exciting for us to kind of 
um, try to prognosticate where they're going every year and to follow. And it, it, I don't know, there's a lot of opportunity there. Do I think they'll, do I think they'll exploit it? No, I don't. Are there a million problems with doing that, that I have no idea about for sure. (laughs) And so it's easy just to go to the travelers every year, but I hope they, (laughs) I hope they, um, I don't know. I hope they kind of, kind of bump that up and, and, uh, stretch your legs a little bit when it comes to stuff like that. Next up from Ag Baji, whose Twitter handle is Kep Fraud. I wonder if that's a shot at Brooks Kepka. Hmm, interesting. With all the villains gone to live, his words, not mine, who is the main villain left on the PGA Tour? Oof. Okay. Um, I, 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 have, I have a name in mind, Kyle. Uh, I don't. So, well, let me see here. Who's the <laughs> I'm main- looking at the... I'm I'm looking at the world rankings here. Who's my name? Uh, hold on. Let okay. me let me see here. Take your time. Take your time. Um, I, I just don't know how many of these guys qualify as villains. I have two answers. One one. <laughs> they're not. Neither of them are very good. But I have two. Okay, I will say. <laughs> I don't know. All these guys are like super nice guys. I, JT, maybe? Mm. JT a villain? JT is a Ryder Cup villain. I don't know that he's a PGA Tour villain. Nah. JT's like the poster boy. But he's a but he is a Ryder Cup villain. Yeah. JT, but- JT in the Ryder Cup is who everybody thought Patrick Reed was going to be. Dude, JT in the Ryder Cup is so good. It, it's 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 he's perfect for the Ryder Cup. So I guess that doesn't really answer the question. Uh, is Horschel a villain? No, because he's not popular. He's, no one cares enough. Who are your villains? Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. One, he wears all black. He does that toe tapping thing and uh, was very noncommittal about the live stuff. And I could see how he could get under people's skin a little bit. It's uh, kind of abrasive. I, I actually quite like him. I'm I'm fairly close with the Cantlay camp, but like I think that I think that he bothers people. I think that he yeah. truly bothers people. Yeah. And then uh I think I think John Rahm could do the heel turn and not be a true villain, but serve as the villain that the tour needs because he's good enough for people to care. Um, he is not he's not necessarily going to fall in line with everything that the PGA tour has to say and has to offer, right? And he's kind of already said some things about that. And like, you know, I, I think that he could be the perceived villain if there needs to be one. It's just, uh, yeah, I think it's a good point. You know, he, he, he has kind of gone out of his way to take some pokes at like tiger and Rory and right. not in malicious ways, but you're like, Oh, that's interesting that he, he said that, you know, it, it's just so hard with Ron because he's like, he's so well-spoken he's so, <laughs> smart it, it you almost need and we talked about this a while ago i i said you have three types of villains i think this was after the u.s open um you know people like or maybe i i can't i can't remember what all the types were one of them was was somebody like bryson who doesn't even like realize that he's the villain or is trying to not be the villain but right. he turns into the villain one of them was patrick reed who kind of is in on the like he kind of knows yeah. uh, even even if he denies it and then maybe Kepka was the other one. I, I can't remember like sort of what I, um, maybe, maybe it was Kepka that knows and read the, I don't know. You, you have to go. It was three years ago, but 
those are kind of your types. And Rom doesn't really, <laughs> I guess he could embrace it. He's just, he's man behind the scenes. He's super nice. He's super insightful. It's just, you got a bunch of guys that are bad villains. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. even like if Cantlay is your best villain, that's, that's a problem. Like he's not, he's, <laughs> he's just kind of, he's just, he's super smart, I think, but he's, he, he's just kind of, I don't know, like the controversial things that these guys say are not controversial compared to other one compared to the guys that left for live and two compared to other sports. So I don't disagree with those two. They're just, I think they, they're make up, they make for bad villains on the PGA tour. Yeah. I think it's definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel because I don't think there's a lot of great options. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's from Andrew Snell. Okay. Uh, two part question. I'll start with his second part first. Will you, Kyle Porter, apologize for your pumpkin spice take? No. <laughs> Why would I apologize? I went. To, we were on. We were at the beach last week. We went to H E B. Do you have H E Bs in California or what in is, Vegas? What is H E B? H E B is like a. It's a grocery store. Mm. Um, it's wow. kind of like a. It's like Walmart if Walmart was... Okay, so do you know what Central Market is? Is that where Mark saw Brian Harmon? I think that was Fresh Market. Mm, then no, I don't know what Central Market Jacob, is. Jacob, get in here. Do you know any of this? <laughs> Those are all... I mean, Fresh Market, love it. But everything else you named is like completely foreign to me. Okay, so HEB is like Walmart if Walmart was higher quality and had better stuff like the food part. Okay. So it's, it's a massive grocery chain. That's I think actually pretty good. And their, their premium brand is central market, which is like the really good stuff. I think H E B is, is solid. Anyway, we're at H E B getting groceries for vacation and they have this whole wall of pumpkin spice stuff, pumpkin spice, butter, pumpkin spice, creamer for your coffee, pumpkin spice, cream cheese, pumpkin. I mean, it is, it's a scourge on our culture. It is, it is a problem. They probably have pumpkin spice, olive oil. I didn't even, I <laughs> took a picture and just walked away. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I will confess. I had a pumpkin beer last night for the, my first pumpkin beer of the season. How uh, was it? It was delicious. It was very good. And I felt a little guilty because I ranted about the pumpkin stuff the other week and it's still only September 15th. We need to get into October before you imbibe in the pumpkin things. And we need to have a lot fewer of them and they need to last for a lot shorter time. So no, I won't apologize for anything. HEB is almost exclusively a Texas thing from what I can understand. Uh, they also have locations in Mexico. So of their 420 stores, 300 of them are in Texas. So okay. that's kind of where we're where we're at here. Okay. Uh, well, that's fine. We'll, we'll get that pumpkin spice take uh, a different time. The first part of this, I really like. The question just says, what part of golf do you still truly enjoy watching? And Kyle, I think you and I, like, uh, I don't know. Like, what keeps me up at night? Like, I do a lot of reflecting. And the one thing that's always kind of bothered me about the people who say, oh, Brooks Kepka plays for Liv. Bryson DeChambeau plays for Liv. Dustin Johnson plays for Liv. If you don't like Liv, you're just a brand guy. You just care about the PGA Tour. And I think, well, 
No. Like, is Dustin Johnson great at golf? Yes. Is Brooks Koepka and Bryson great at golf? Yes. But there is so much great golf, Kyle. There's the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the LPGA. You've got um, you've got Live. You've got Ryder Cups. You've got Presidents Cups. You've got all the amateur stuff. You've got college stuff. There, there is just such an abundance of great golf being played that Live Golf represents like three percent of it. And I'm like, there is still so much to enjoy watching. If I don't enjoy watching that or I don't watch it as much as something else, it's not necessarily a knock against live as much as it is of this abundance of great golf that's being played. So specifically, though, I agree with that. But specifically, what parts of that do you enjoy watching? Every shot? Yeah, I'm a big like I'm a big like every shot guy. Okay, like I want to sit down and see like everything. My answer to this, and it, and it coincides, it, it overlaps with your answer because I think it's, my answer to this is what part of golf do you still truly enjoy watching? Anything that makes whoever is playing makes their, makes their hands shake when they pick up a club. <laughs> okay. So do I love watching Thursday and Friday at the Shriners like you do? Not really. I, I follow I it. That. I keep track of it. Yeah, it's 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 a difference between you and me, and I think it's it's great. Like I'm I'm neither one is right or wrong. Um, I think for your job, it, you need to love that more than probably I do, which is some my stuff is more bigger picture probably. Um, I love I love the first tee at the Solheim Cup when mm. Nelly Corda can barely like hold the club because her hands are shaking. I love the semis of the U.S. Women's Amateur or the U.S. Amateur because it 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 means something. Like to win the U.S. Am is is awesome. I love the back nine on Sunday at the John Deere because it means something to Michael Kim or to Chris Goderup or to Jordan Spieth when he's nineteen years old. You know, I, there's, and this, that's what you're saying is there's so many versions Right. Something about live golf that makes guys handshake. There's just not, and maybe, maybe the last two holes, you know, we saw Westy kind of choke one away. At, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was Boston. a fat, that was a fat, fat wedge from the middle of the fairway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So maybe that, but there's just not, uh, there's not a lot of that in live. And, you know, you do get it at, at, and obviously I haven't said this yet. It goes without saying, but major championship golf, your hands are shaking when you're, even when you're Rory or Cam Smith or whoever on the back nine at the old course, like you, you cannot replicate that. You can't fake it. You can't manufacture it. You can't, it, it's, it's, um, yeah, you can't, you, you can't recreate it. And that to me is the best part of uh, watching the the women's open this year at Muirfield, you know, that playoff, like it's freezing. People's hands are shaking. Like you're just, you're, you, you don't even know where you're at. Like I love that stuff. And I think it's, it's the biggest reason that I love the professional game right now. 
I, I love the long drive. I love drive, chip, and putt. I, I like I love it all, right? Which which is why I think this is a good question from Andrew. But I think the implication is that, and I know a lot of people feel this way, and I get messages about it all the time, Kyle. It's like Liv has. Um, it doesn't even matter if you like both, you only like one, you only like the other, has created a wedge situation where you're almost being asked to choose sides. I don't think you're being asked to choose sides, right? There is so much great stuff to consume and so much great stuff to enjoy. It doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be nothing, but there's still so much of it. There's this, there's this implication that golf is no longer fun. Like It very much is. Well, I think, I think what's happened, Rick, is... The, all the live stuff has made people think like, oh, you guys just either you're being paid by Jay Monahan uh, <laughs> or you just you love the tour or whatever. And it's like, actually, I think live has has kind of opened my way of thinking to not way of thinking, but just like re, has reminded me of all the things that I do love about golf, which is USAM stuff, which is uh, NCAA tournament team stuff, you know, just all these other iterations that we don't cover as much, you know, we'll, we'll cover them from time to time on here. I'll write about them some, but we don't cover them as much as we do the tour because the tour has the biggest following, you know, that's, that's what people want. And live has really reminded me of, of all those different iterations of golf that I truly love. Uh, I love that. That's great. That's a great question, Andrew. Thanks for thanks for sending it over. Final one here from David. We'll end on a little bit of a fun note. Um, remember, we sold what Jacob. What was the final tally for the one and done spot for next draftathon? Uh, it went to just over thirty eight hundred dollars. Thirty eight hundred dollars. Someone bid to be a part of our one and done for next season with all the proceeds going to uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which is like the best place you can send your money. And David wants to know, Kyle, um, if, if you were behind that, if you want to give yourself a second, a second crack at the one and done, so you'd have two chances to dethrone Mark come next season. Listen, if I had $3,800 to spend on an auction like that, we can go back to the beginning of this conversation and I would be flying private more often. I would not be, I would not be spending it on the one and done auction. So no, I did not. I did not double up my, uh, my picks. How cool is that? How cool is it that this person who we don't even, I don't, have we made contact Jacob? Do we know who this person is? Yes, we've made contact. I don't want to, I don't want to give out the name. I don't sure. know if he wants to That's remain okay. anonymous or not, but yes, I reached out over email. Okay. In fact, I actually need to follow back up. I, I'm going to see if he wants to join us for the tournament of champions since we're moving to a, uh, you know, a calendar year one and done schedule, you know, we're, we're a bit more nimble than the PGA tour. So we can just sort of make this change on a whim. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to have him on if he, if he would oblige, you know, and okay. give out his pick officially on the tournament of champions preview. I think okay. that'd be pretty cool. Mr. Mr. X, Mr. X just drops 3,800 to a great cause to get into a fun thing. Like that is, that is living. I, I want to meet Mr. X because that's, that has, I, I just love everything about that. It might be Jay Monahan <laughs> with, with his expenditures. Yeah. <laughs> who, who can say he probably built a, it to the tour. Uh, <laughs> now, now you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we should, we should end this before we, before we get in too much trouble. You started me down that path. I, I was looking through other Twitter questions we had. I, I don't think there's any other good ones. There's one that said, ask Kyle Porter if he's 
Asked Kyle Porter CBS if he's coping with Rory being out of the country for a few weeks. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Great question. Normal. Yeah. Thank you. When does uh, so? Okay. Let's let's uh, let's talk normal sport because yeah. you tweeted out that it is. I believe the word, the phrase that you used was "it's a go," which. It's a show. Um, I guess maybe selfishly, I just assumed it was a go. What does that mean? Like, like, like you got the illustrator all lined up. Is it the same? Like, what, what does that yeah. mean? Like you decided you were going to do it or you actually had to get the admin and logistics in place. Both. I think last year it, it, uh, I think we talked, we might've talked about this on here, but it took a lot out of me last year to write it in 60 days and to, you know, produce something that I think people enjoyed. And so I didn't want to do it all just me and Jason Page, who was our illustrator last year. So we hired a couple of writers. We got an editor. We have a formatter. Um, and we have Jason back as the illustrator. So I, I had I needed to get all those things lined up before I kind of announced what, uh, you know, kind of what was going on. But yeah, I was working on chapter one today, going all the way back to the PNC. Actually, all the way back to the uh, to Tiger's presser at the Hero World Challenge. I forgot about this. This is a very normal sport thing. He sat next to a motorcycle at the podium. <laughs> and just stuff like that. You're like, I, this is absurd. Like there's a motorcycle like parked next to the greatest golfer of all time. And they're just both up there like speaking to the media. That was, that was the one where the CEO of Hero was just like going on for like five minutes. Yes. And everyone was just like, Buddy, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but <laughs> you are not, you are not what they are here for. And Tiger looks like Laron Landry, like his <laughs> arms were just like yeah. four times their normal size. It's like, oh, what's Tiger been up to? Oh, just bicep curls. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally that's it. Uh, so yeah, it's we're off to a roaring start. But yeah, listen, like we've got some other voices this year that are going to be writing and contributing. I think there's there's more diversity this year in terms of our contributors. Um, it's going to be, it's a, it's a it's an undertaking. It's a it's a real project, and I'm excited to not only write and contribute to it, but also to kind of kind of lead our team. So I'm I'm too, hopeful that it'll be even better than last year. Is it too early to have an ETA? When when are we expecting this ballpark? Uh, it's going to be the same as last year. First week in December is is kind of our our drop date. Uh, yeah, baby. I'm struggling with right now, Rick, and maybe if any of our listeners have any leads, is I want to print it as a physical book. That would be it, that's that's not a difficult thing to do if you just want paperback or if you want it done cheaply or whatever. You can do it on Amazon and a billion other sites. But I I really want it done well and customized, and I'm fine paying there for is, that because I, I think other people will pay for it. There has got to be somebody who is listening to this right now that owns or works at like a custom print shop or something like that that could absolutely do this. It And I've asked around a little bit. It turns out hardcover books are very like a very niche thing in terms mm. of... Is it like one company of, owns everything? Type well, of deal? I think it's a little bit of like if you don't have a relationship with like Random House or Penguin or whatever, then there's not like... I think it's costly for small custom printers to do stuff like that. So I understand why they don't. But if you do do that or know anybody that does, that's that's sort of I've got a few leads, but that's sort of what I'm looking for right now. Because I think it would be I think it would be meaningful to people to have a I'm not I'm only gonna print like a limited number, so it's not, you know, I'm gonna ship them all out myself or I'm gonna make my kids do it and pay them <laughs> for it. But uh yeah, we're we're looking at uh that kind of being the final piece of the puzzle for okay. this year. 
All right, we're call, we're we're looking we're looking for favors. We're calling in f- uh, for some leads here. Somebody who can who can hook us up here. I want my I want my hard copy normal sport two signed. Kyle, can I ha- can I arrange that if we can make this happen? You can. We've actually talked about this. Is a little breaking news, I guess. But we've actually talked about putting a package together for people where you get the book and then you also get um, a couple of the illustrations that are like smaller like with the with like as a package deal and maybe a couple other things like a one of the like a paragraph written out next to an illustration or some teas with a i think we're going to try to create a logo we got a bunch of stuff in the works there so you'll get the you'll get the premium package whatever it is things are happening things are happening baby let's go uh kyle porter is available of course on twitter at kyle porter cbs uh producer jacob does all that darn hard work behind the scenes thank you very much producer jacob and you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut catch you next time paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of zen Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.